Hey Badgers fans, it's John Veldheis from BadgerBlitz.com. Before we get started, I just wanted to remind everyone that if you like the show, to make sure that you're subscribed on iTunes so you can get new episodes right on your phone. And if you like what we're doing here, we'd appreciate it if you left us a review so that other Wisconsin fans can find us in the podcast directory. And if you like the show and want more in-depth discussion about Wisconsin football, basketball, and recruiting, head on over to BadgerBlitz.com to sign up for a premium membership. It's less than $9 a month and it gives you VIP access to John McNamara's recruiting news and scoops and my insider content like practice reports and game day analysis. Not to mention the Badgers Den, our premium member forum. With so much going on in the world of Wisconsin sports, there's never been a better time to sign up. Head on over to BadgerBlitz.com and click on the subscribe button to sign up today. A little bit of a, a shorter crew today. It's just me and uh, John McNamara here as we're going to break down the uh, the Purdue game from last weekend, touch on a little bit of Wisconsin hoops, uh, both uh, recruiting and uh, some on-the-court stuff now that uh, the Badgers have uh, opened practice for the uh, the upcoming season. Then we'll get into a little bit of the uh, uh, the Maryland game that's coming up in a, in a couple of days here. But, uh, John, how are you doing? I know it's been a, kind of a crazy week for you, what with the uh, the Tyler Hero news on the uh, the basketball beat. Yeah, it was, um, you know, pretty, pretty quiet week with football, um, as it's been because, um, you know, because Wisconsin's most of that class is wrapped up, but, uh, you know, something that I thought maybe was put to bed this summer arose this week. So, um, you know, when the news did pop up, it was what Tuesday night. Yeah. You know, it it certainly, certainly caught me off guard and I was surprised, but, um, you know, from what was kind of talked about this summer, it wasn't a complete shock and, um, you know, certainly unfortunate news for Wisconsin basketball program, but, uh, I, th- I think they'll be able to rebound. Um, I think that, you know, with everything that's kind of going on in college basketball right now, I think they'll take a patient approach and I think they'll be able to find something now and they're not going to find, you know, a top 25 kid in the nation like Tyler hero, but I, I think they'll find a good piece. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens though down the stretch. Yeah. I mean, we were going to save this for, uh, for later in the show, but, uh, I figure we might as well just talk about it now. Obviously, the the big news is that uh, the Badgers lost the uh, commitment of uh, Tyler Hero, uh, in state, uh, high, you know, in state prospect, uh, highly ranked. Uh, he had been committed to Wisconsin for a while, and uh, you know, the the news out of you know it seemed uh, to be out of the blue that he was decommitting. Um, you know, it definitely shakes up Wisconsin's uh, recruiting efforts for that uh, that recruiting class, just because signing day is only a couple uh, of uh, of weeks away. And so, from just from a timing perspective, uh, you know, I mean, you don't really see that kind of uh, recruiting move. I mean, you, you see guys open their recruitments up and you know change their minds all the time in both football and basketball. But to see, you know, a uh, an in-state guy that the Badgers had you know, invested a lot of, um, you know, time and, you know, he'd been committed for a while to, and to see him, you know, reopen things up. And I, I don't think we're going out on a limb to say that, you know, even though he's um, reopened his recruitment, we, I don't think either of us expect him to, to recommit or anything like that. Like those questions that people were asking on uh, Tuesday night when the news broke. Um, but I, I guess the big question that I have is uh, where do you, I mean, what do you think the Badgers do with you know the spot that uh, his uh, his dig his decommitment opens up because you know there's just not a lot of time uh, before that uh, that signing day comes up. So uh, what do you think that where where do you think they go from here? Yeah, you know that's that's the big question moving forward. And I wanted to just touch on something that you said before. Um, you know, like you know we're not going to get super in depth on you know the reasons why Tyler Hero decommitted and stuff like that's kind of past. But um, de- you know decommitting and and pl- 
schools going after committed prospects is a lot less common than in, in football. Um, you know, football as it goes down the stretch, particularly around signing day, there's a lot of decommitments. You know, a lot of kids picking up new offers and, and you know, new opportunities and, and, you know, dropping schools that they were previously with. So you don't see that all that much in basketball. But, um, you know, like you mentioned, where does Wisconsin go from here? So, um, you know, if, if you look at this 2018 class, if you went back, you know, maybe a year or two ago before Tyler Hero committed, guard really wasn't a, a need or backcourt player wasn't really a need uh, because they're, they're, you know, they're pretty deep there. You know, they're, they're young and inexperienced, but they are deep. So you have Demetrius Trice and Brevin Pritzel, who maybe you pencil in as starters for this season. Most likely than not, they'll, they'll be the starters that you see at least early on. And then you have Brad Davison, who we'll get into a lot more later in, in, in the podcast, and, and Kobe King, uh, who you right. know, very likely could back those two up. And then, you know, Trevor Anderson, the, the transfer from Green Bay, is another guy I think that's going to work his way into the rotation. He's going to have to sit out this year. But you know, you're talking about a guy who last year started as a true freshman for Green Bay, uh, obviously not the same caliber program or the same competition as playing in the Big Ten, but he's a guy that's going to play for Wisconsin. He knows how to play basketball. He's a touch undersized, maybe not you know an elite athlete, but he's going to play. And um, I think he'll grow into a bigger, bigger role as, as he grows in this program. So, you know, you're looking at maybe five guys just just kind of, you know, from looking at the roster right now who maybe not are necessarily ahead of Tyler, but to guys he would have to compete with. So, if you're looking at that 2018 class, you know, uh, bringing another backcourt guy in or another guard in really wasn't a big priority. Now, when you have a guy of Tyler Hero's, you know, caliber inside the state, you, you can't just ignore him and say, look, we'd love to have you, but we just have too many guards on the team. He's a guy that you have to recruit. Um, and they did. They, you know, they did a fantastic job with him. Greg Gar was able to wrap his recruitment up, uh, you know, early. He committed over a year ago. Um, but obviously ended up decommitting. So uh, what they will do moving forward, I, I, I would be surprised if they looked at a, at a two-guard, uh, maybe a wing, but I don't think they'll necessarily need to go after a two-guard because the big need in this class is, is down low. So mm-hmm. they all, already have a commitment from Joe Hedstrom who accepted that four-for-five deal. Uh, Taylor Curry, a guy out of Michigan, will be on campus this weekend for an unofficial visit. You know, he was he was committed previously to Michigan and then backed away from that commitment. So uh, if he were to pick up an offer on this visit, I think especially with another scholarship opening up, that's certainly a possibility. And if Wisconsin were to offer him, you know, I've talked to a couple of people pretty close to his recruitment, I think he'd jump on that fairly quickly. Um, you know, Like I said, with Hero being gone, I could see that happening because even if, if Curry were to eat up a scholarship, they'd still have one more to play with, you know, going down the stretch. So um, I could see Curry getting offered. If it didn't happen, that wouldn't surprise me either. I think overall Wisconsin will take a patient approach. I know fans coming off this news want to probably immediately plug someone in, you know, a big caliber, you know, high, high talent guy that's kind of remaining right now. But I think they'll be patient. Um, I think they'll let it play out. I think options will, will open up. Um, you know, not only as senior seasons begin and, and more players begin to arise, but, you know, maybe there'll be more fallout from, you know, the, the, the scandal, if you want to call it, in college basketball right now. Maybe, yeah, that's true. Maybe more kids will hold off from signing because they're a little worried about what's going to happen with their potential school. So um, we'll see what happens with Curry when he's on campus this weekend. I guess if I had to place money, I'd say they don't offer him just because they don't, they're not in a rush right now. And, you know, with Curry 
he's not sitting on any bigger offers that he needs that uh, you know he he can jump on at this point. So I think they'll be patient. I think fans don't want them to be patient, but I think that's the approach they'll take. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's definitely tempting to. You, know, you see the the news of an in-state, uh, you know, highly ranked recruit decommitting, you know, seemingly out of the blue. Um, even though I guess you know, like you were saying, you had heard that there were some rumblings that this was a possibility uh, earlier in the year. Um, but uh, you know, the reaction is to say, uh, you know, maybe they'll go out and try and you know steal somebody else, or you know, uh, you know, really turn up the pressure on somebody, or you know, just add somebody, anybody to you know to fill that spot. But I think you're right. I think. Uh, it's it's probably better to you know uh, to just follow your regular evaluation process and you know kind of keep doing your due diligence. You don't want to just throw out a you know throw out a scholarship at somebody that uh, you know in like a, in a panic move just to fill the spot or to replace um, Tyler Hero. I mean, you just gotta you know kind of take what comes to you. And uh, you know if you find somebody that's a, that's going to be a good fit uh, for this class, then I think that's what you just have to do. Right, and like you mentioned, you know, not to not to knee jerk this, and you know, say, okay, we we lost someone, we got to fill them up because you know, like you said, signing day is coming up; it's about a month away. But um, that's just the first period, and I wouldn't be surprised right. if maybe some guys held off. Um, you know, we we talked to uh, to Jack Kemphill. He's you know, he was a kid that was on campus, this you know, six foot nine, six ten kid from from North Carolina, and. Um, Wisconsin didn't end up offering him, but you know, it sounds like he's a kid that's going to play out his senior year because, uh, you know, he's got some options right now, but he maybe wants to see what's going to happen down the road because, you know, Wisconsin's obviously pretty interested in him and a a couple other schools. He mentioned Rutgers and Clemson, a few others. So, um, there'll be kids that are available still. And I think guard and his staff are going to do their due diligence on the guys that are available. Um, you know, was, I I think back, obviously the 2017 class, worked out extremely well for Wisconsin. Uh, you know, they hit on probably their top three prospects, you could argue, in, right. in uh, Davis and King and Reavers. Uh, but if you go back before that, they were in a crunch too with, with that, you know, that 2016 class when they were in that transition from, from Bo Ryan to Greg Garden. And late in the process, I think, you know, right around this time of year, they were able to get Demetric Trice, uh, who plays a true yeah. freshman. In, in he was a late ad. I remember that now. Yeah, and a lean forward too. So you know, it looked bleak. They, you know, they they had to have a point guard in that class, and you know, they missed on some big targets. But um, you know, Demetric Trice looks like a hell of a hell of a consolation prize after missing out on three or four of their top point guard targets. And you know, the staff is also very high in a lean forward after a redshirt year. So um, you know, it's not like they're they're in a desert right now with no one out there. There, There's still some prospects out there and probably some intriguing guys. They just have to identify them. And uh, if the staff has done one thing really well, if great guards done one thing really well, since he's been under Bo Ryan, it's, it's evaluating talent. Um, you know, you can go down the list of guys that they've done it with. Really. I think the guy that jumps out to me is Frank Kaminsky uh, is a guy that they identified, obviously he turned out to be an all American okay, player of the year. So yeah, he did. He, he certainly did. And you know, Wisconsin saw someone that a lot of other schools didn't. So, um, I don't think they're going to pick up a late Frank Kaminsky, uh, but th- there's there's guys out there for them to evaluate, and um, you know their their coaching skill will certainly be on display uh, to be able to maybe find a, little, a diamond in the rough late in the process here. Yeah, and you, I mean you were talking about the the depth of Wisconsin's um, 
Wisconsin's backcourt, you know, if you're kind of projecting out over the next couple of years. And before we, you know, move on to football, I just want to uh, talk about, obviously the, the Badgers had their local media day for men's basketball with their season coming up um, a couple of weeks here. And so uh, on Friday, uh, you know, just under or just under a week ago, uh, I got a chance to watch um, my first uh, basketball practice of the season. And uh, what really stood out to me was, uh, was how good and comfortable Brad Davison looked, um, you know, on the practice, uh, in practice for the Badgers. I mean, he was, he was very confident. He was, uh, you know, barking out, uh, you know, play calls. And uh, I was, I was, I would, I was surprised at just how energetic he was. Like, you know, I know that, you know, people have talked about, you know, he's, he's a vocal guy. He's, he's a, he's a good leader. Um, but uh, to watch him, you know, kind of uh, running and yelling all over the court and going and diving for uh, loose balls and really just, uh, he looks like a guy that just really loves to, to play the game and to play it hard. And uh, I guess, you know, my initial impression was just that he's, he's a guy that I think that he's going to play right away and uh, big 10, you know, the fans of opposing teams are going to see a lot of him. And I think they're going to get sick of him by, uh, you know, his, uh, you know, second, third, fourth season uh, with the Badgers. I, I mean, like I heard, you know, from people in the program and, you know, just from talking to the other reporters that were um, watching the, watching the practice, the comparison was uh, he could be Wisconsin's Aaron Kraft and just somebody that's going to be, you know, hyped up and, energetic and a good defender and uh he's gonna he's gonna get in people's faces and uh i don't think i think badger fans are gonna love him uh i don't think the rest of big 10 is though <laughs> yeah uh i i agree with everything you said we you know i i got to watch a practice this summer as they were preparing for their overseas trip to australia and you know that was the first look i got to see of davison with wisconsin i got to see him a few play a few times in aau ball right uh some previous summers but you know, if you would have brought someone in that didn't know the program at all, you know, maybe someone from Australia and said, you know, who's who's the senior leader on this team? Some people may have said Brad Davison because all the things that you talked about, um, you know, that was one of his first practices at Wisconsin, and he was barking at people. He was calling plays out. He was taking charges. He was running over and slapping guys and to tell them where to go. And, you know, he, he looked like he stepped into a leadership role as a true freshman who was – you know, just a couple of weeks, you know, new to Wisconsin's campus. So um, I, I agree with everything you said, John, and the fact that Aaron Kraft is a, is a pretty decent comparison. Um, he's going to be a leader. He's going to be a guy that plays this year. Um, he's, he's that much more valuable, too, because, I, you know, I think he might be Wisconsin's sixth man because you can bring him in to play point guard or he can play yeah. off guard, too. So, you know, maybe that's his, that's his role right now is that sixth man. So – um, you know, certainly a guy who, who saw his recruitment really explode down the stretch, a number of schools offered, I think, you know, he had 20 plus offers and, you know, right before he committed to Wisconsin, there was, you know, kind of rumblings that Duke was inquiring about him. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, I, I think he's going to be a fan favorite. He's going to be a guy that the rest of the big 10 probably hates. Yeah, I mean, the it was just uh, I just was surprised that he had enough energy to make it through the whole practice. Like I just got tired from watching him, and you know, I I don't I don't know. I'm, I'm not you know super in shape, but uh, man, he, like he was exhausting <laughs> to watch. Like I can't imagine trying to defend him or 
you know, just play against him in practice or a game. It just looks uh, looks tiring, to say the least. Uh, so I guess we'll see. Uh, obviously, the Badgers have their red-white scrimmage coming up um, on this Sunday, uh, the 22nd, I believe, and then uh, they'll uh, open up their regular season in a couple weeks after that. But, uh, you know, moving on to, on to football, which is the big thing that's uh, on campus right now. It's going to be homecoming weekend for the Badgers. They uh, welcome Maryland to Camp Randall Stadium. A game is scheduled for 11 o'clock in the morning. Uh, but uh, before – you know, we, we talked too much about Maryland. I'm just curious about, you know, the, the, what you thought about the Purdue game uh, from last weekend. You know, obviously the Badgers uh, had some offensive miscues that kind of led to uh, them letting the Boilermakers hang around in that game. They ended up winning 17 to, to 9. But they had three um, offensive turnovers in the red zone, and they had the blocked punt. Uh, that So Purdue really was given a lot of chances to, you know, uh, put more points on the board and uh, give the Badgers a scare. Wisconsin's defense responded, and you know, I th- what I thought was the most impressive thing from the game is that they held Purdue to just the field goal out of those three drives where they started in Wisconsin territory. But the offense, I think, is the is the big question mark going into the Maryland game. And, and I guess I'm curious, John, um, did, did the Purdue game change what you expect out of Wisconsin's offense moving forward? I mean, the, what I saw is that I saw a team that moved the ball very well for the most part, but they just, just kind of – couldn't get out of their own way, whether it was the turnovers or the the uh, the pre-snap penalties or, or anything like that. So I guess what what did you take away from that game, and uh, what do you I guess what do you expect to see this weekend? Yeah, I think my biggest takeaway was that you know Purdue could be relevant again in the next year or two. I think you know is is Brom the best hire of the off season? Uh, you know, that that Purdue program it very was, well could be was was awful. Um, you know when Wisconsin would play in the last handful of years, that's that's a game that you you didn't think twice about. Probably you could pencil that in for like a fifty-six to ten. No, oh, absolutely. Win. Yeah, they were they were just just the bottom feeders. But um, the jump that they've made, you know, from from year zero, I guess to you know to to six months with with Brom in charge of this program is is pretty amazing. And once he starts getting his guys and he's he's starting to you know be able to implement his system, I. You know, I don't know. I, I'm not going to say that they're going to be at the same tier as Ohio State and Michigan, but um, mm-hmm. they're at least going to be a competitive football team. But um, you know, back, you know team that the Badgers have to watch out for uh, in the Big Ten. Like I, I, I don't know that they can get up to you know their level in terms of competing for the uh, for the division every year. I mean, it would take a good couple years of you know consistent success to get up to there. But it's it definitely doesn't seem like a team that the Badgers can um, just kind of you know write off on their schedule is kind of that easy win anymore. Yeah, absolutely. And um, you know, if a few things, if, you know, let's say Jonathan Taylor punches that touchdown and it doesn't fumble, you know, Wisconsin goes away with a what 20 24 to 9 win. Maybe yeah. you feel a little bit better, but at the same time, you know, they they threw that interception to Leon Jacobs in the red zone and you know, that yeah. was a huge mistake. And you know, they they panned to Br- the to to Jeff Brom on the sideline. He just he's screaming, "Throw the ball away." So you know, if they punch it in there, is that a game that goes to overtime? So, um, you know, I guess those are the inches and, and centimeters of the game of football. But um, like you mentioned, Wisconsin moved the ball pretty well, you know, especially at the start of the game. Uh, you know, the total I yards. I thought they were on the verge of, um, you know, maybe not that same kind of route, but uh, I thought they were on the verge of running away with it when they went up 14 uh, nothing, especially because that first drive, you know, they had the um, – Jonathan Taylor's big run for a touchdown, and then they moved the ball well again and went up those two scores. It, it felt like you know a game that they were going to handle pretty easily. Yeah, yeah, that's that's how it was looking too. So, 
Um, again, you know, the, they, they've been able to move the ball, even though teams are selling out on the run. You know, Jonathan Taylor with 219 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Alex Hornerbrook, you know, those, those interceptions, uh, they, they definitely hurt the one that, you know, he that kind of bounced up, I guess, on that screen. That's a ball that you just got to throw away probably. And even if that, that's completed, that's not going anywhere. That's going to lose you yards. Right. I, I, the big thing to me, and I – I did a radio show today in Milwaukee, and they asked me what's Wisconsin's Achilles' heel, and they they wanted to say Alex Hornerbrook. I just think that uh, you know Troy Fumagalli, his health and his ability is so you know linked. He wasn't to, targeted in that game at all. Right, right. Which so, I, I mean, it's just surprising. Yeah, so you know his his ability and his health, and if he's a hundred percent correlates so much with Alex Hornerbrook's success. I just think that, you know, he, he can't be, you know, full strength, right? You know, after. No, and I don't think he was. Um, I think he's, I think he's getting there, but it, it certainly did. He didn't look like a guy that was, you know, a hundred percent healthy. I, I thought that in, in watching the game and then, um, you know, watching it back afterward, it, it looked like Purdue really did their best to take him away uh, by, you know, doubling him with, uh, you know, maybe a man-to-man and then you move a safety over uh, to you know, put another body on him or, or something like that. But the combination of, you know, the extra coverage and, I, you know, not having him at a hundred percent, it really just kind of made him a non-factor. Um, and so, yeah, and I, and I agree with you. I mean, like, I think that, uh, you know, Fumagalli is, you know, a, a big X factor for, because, you know, they have other options that they like in the, in the passing game, but you know, nobody that can dominate, you know, say a one-on-one matchup the way that Fumagalli does. Right. And, you know, they, they do have the deep threat stuff with, with Quintez Cephas and, and even Danny Davis, but you know, that, that intermediate stuff that Fumagalli gives you, he's, he's a difference maker for one, but he also cleans up a lot of, a lot of mistakes and, yeah, he, he's certainly a guy that I think Troy Fumagalli trusts the most on, on this roster, and a guy that he looks to quite a bit. So, um, you know, if you look back to those first handful of games uh, when he was healthy, he's a guy that was targeted a ton, and then Alex Hornerbrook, you know, really looked to uh, to utilize in that offense. And you know, you really haven't seen that component of Wisconsin's offense the last couple of weeks. Um, it, you know, it's it, it's been glaring, at least to me, it has. Um, so I think if 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 they can get him back up to speed, back up to 100%, or at least the guy that's going to get a handful of targets, that just helps Alex Hornerbrook so much more. Yeah, I and I think that was the thing is that you know the 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 penalties were something that you know I was kind of paying attention to during the game because you know they had obviously they had uh, the the Taylor fumble. Um, they were moving the ball well. Um, before Hornerbrook's first interception, uh, which to me looked like uh, Danny Davis kind of uh, ran a different route than what Hornerbrook was expecting, and so that's kind of why you saw that ball go right to the right to the um, the defender. Um, and uh, you know, you know, we were talking about the screen pass, but the, I guess the the sequence that really stood out to me the most is that you know they moved the ball well, uh, they were driving down the field, they had um, a couple plays over to the like the the um, I guess the 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 home sideline, but then with Rashid Ibrahim got called for a block in the back uh, that uh, pushed them back after they had been down like inside the 15 or inside the 10, they had a false start. 
Um, and then, uh, like a play or two later, uh, Hornerbrook had that second interception where the ball bounced off of Ibrahim's hands and then, uh, Purdue returned it to the other side of the field. So like that sequence in particular was something that I thought really crystallized the, the problem that they were running into is that you know, they, they were able to make some big plays, but they, you know, either having them wiped out or, you know, you push your field position back with, you know, some penalties and, and uh, what the coaching staff called unforced errors. Um, you know, that that's just a killer. And they, like, they were able to overcome some of them, but if you have enough of them, it's going to stall out a drive for you. And I, I just don't think that, you know, if they're going to um, achieve the goals that they've set out for themselves this season, they, they just can't afford to have, you know, a three turnover game where you, you know, rack up, you know, 80 ish yards of penalties or anything like that. No, absolutely. And, yeah, they they can get away with it against Purdue. They could probably right. get away with it against Maryland. Um, not that you know Iowa and Michigan are going to be world beaters, but you know, especially the way that you play Iowa each year, right. you know, th- those turnovers are so crucial in games like you know that they're they're pretty used to playing against Iowa. So uh, they 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 got to clean some stuff up, and they have they've acknowledged that. But yeah, you can't bring that in late in the season if. You know, if they bring that in the Big Ten championship game too, that's that's just gonna they're gonna get exploited. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, I'm I guess I'm kind of anticipating to see a, a cleaner game because the the coaching staff has said this week that you know the 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 people that feel the worst about those the the mistakes, the the pre snap errors, those things that you can control the players. And so I guess that they've they've seen some good practices this week as they get ready for Maryland. So. I'm kind of anticipating just from uh, for one thing. I think Maryland's offense is is has some interesting pieces, but I don't know that they're consistent enough to where they can move the ball against Wisconsin's defense, which I think will have an advantage in that they've they've been pretty good about um, you know getting teams off the field on third down, and Maryland has not been very good at converting those third downs and extending drives. So, you know, if if Wisconsin's defense performs as as we've kind of grown to expect them to uh, and the Badgers clean up some of those mistakes that they made last weekend against Purdue, I guess uh, I'm thinking that they would win probably by, you know, two or three touchdowns somewhere in there just from having the game at home and, you know, having, uh, if you were able to clean up those, those red zone possessions, um, I, I would think you could, you could feel pretty confident about that game this weekend. But I, I guess I'm curious as to what you're kind of envisioning for the the score and the, the result this weekend. Yeah, I would, not that they need a bounce back game, but you know, for all the things that you right. mentioned, the penalties and stuff like that, um, I, I think they do get stuff cleaned up. Um, I, I really think that, you know, the, the way that they started against Purdue, being able to run the football so effectively, I think they, they'll go to that and you know, really just try to establish that run from from the get go, and uh, you know, try to just kind of throw, you know, push the football down Maryland's throat. They should have some success there, and then you know, when Maryland has the ball, they're down to their third string quarterback. Um, right. So you know they've, would you know I guess they've survived pretty well with with the injuries that they've had to such a crucial position. If, if Wisconsin put their third string quarterback in, that would be what Caray Lyles. So yeah, uh, it's it's amazing that Maryland's still kind of keeping afloat there. So um, you know I feel like I say it each week that you know because because their schedule is so so favorable. You know Wisconsin's more talented on both sides of the ball. Um, that that should show. Um, you know I. You just love to see if Paul Chris just sold out on the run. You know, if you, you didn't call a pass play the first the first <laughs> half because you know they you just take like, that Nebraska game and uh, just do that right away from the first quarter. Yeah, absolutely. You know, 
especially the guy like Ibrahim, who's who showed you some flashes and and yeah. Groshek too. You know, put let him that run some Wildcats. Most, yeah, that might be the most uh, you know un, under um, examined part of that game is that, you know pulling the the you know Garrett Groshek Wildcat package out of you know out of the blue. Um, I was I was certainly caught off guard by that. I uh, I was trying to think of a uh, of a like a creative or a witty nickname for that package, but uh, Groshek doesn't really lend itself to a lot of uh, good puns. So unfortunately, I wasn't <laughs> able to come up with anything. Yeah, so I he's a high school quarterback, um, yeah. and he uh, he was Biotish's teammate at uh, Amherst, which is a you know a really good program. I think it's Division Five. I got a chance to see them once, and obviously my my attention was on uh, Tyler Biotish uh, because he was committed at the time. But, you know, Groshek, I believe, is also an All-State player too. So uh, that's – maybe that's something that they just wanted to get on tape uh, to have yeah, people maybe. think because, you know, he's he's a guy that – he would play quarterback uh, is his first year there when he was a true freshman because they were so – you know, they didn't have right. any bodies. So he, he took reps at quarterback. So – He's a guy that absolutely can throw the ball. Uh, so if he's back there in Wildcat, uh, you know, maybe we'll see him throw. Maybe they want to put more of that on tape. So, it's, you know, you give something for, for teams to think about. Now, yeah. you're going to see, you know, 15 snaps of Groshek Wildcat. I, I doubt it, but um, it's, it's just one more thing for teams to have to prepare for. Yeah, well, it's certainly interesting, and uh, you know, it's uh, made for an interesting week after the Badgers uh, wrapped up that uh, game against Purdue, and we'll see what they uh, take from that game and uh, apply to their uh, upcoming homecoming game against Maryland this weekend. Uh, so I think that'll pretty much do it for us here on the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. Uh, it's nice to get some basketball talk in there, uh, both recruiting and uh, some encore stuff, but uh, I think we'll definitely touch on that a little bit more as the team opens their uh, their regular season in a couple weeks here but uh for for john mcnamara uh and the rest of the badgerblitz.com crew uh this is john veldheis thanks for listening again this week and we'll talk to you next week on the badgerblitz.com podcast <laughs>